Hey everyone, the Property Manager Mastermind Conference 2022 is going on at the Red Rock Resort in Las Vegas, Nevada. Go to pmmcon.com to learn more and sign up. Welcome to the Property Management Mastermind Show with your host, Brad Larson. Brad owns one of the fastest growing property management companies in San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is for property managers by property managers. You'll hear from industry leading professionals on best practices, new ideas, success stories, and lessons learned. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest industry buzz surrounding property management, as well as tips and strategies to improve your business. Enterprise Bank and Trust, the bank you all formerly knew as Seacoast Commerce Bank. With the same team, the same benefits, and an expanded and improved product suite. Enterprise Bank and Trust specializes in trust accounts and business banking for property managers. One of their best features is a cash analysis program where they can assist in paying your property management related invoices. Contact Allison at 619-988-6708 to learn more. Need a repair at 2 a.m.? Easy does it. Easy Repair coordinates maintenance and nothing else and takes after-hour maintenance calls for property managers. Working with your property management software so you can see exactly what Easy is doing without leaving your own software. From Las Vegas, Nevada, our full-time maintenance coordinators will dispatch your work orders directly with your vendors. Give us a call at 800-488-6032 or visit our website, easyrepairhotlinellc.com. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Property Manager Mastermind podcast show. I'm your host, Brad Larson. Now today's guest is gonna be really fascinating and interesting because it's a conversational topic that we just haven't touched on yet very much in the property management industry. I'm gonna be introducing Dylan Shively and he's with James Warren. And it's a credit repair, credit restoration type of a company. Now, I first heard about Dylan on another podcast from a couple local San Antonio realtors who brought him on, they interviewed him. And I'm on one of my morning walks, runs, running the dogs, and I'm listening to this. It's about a 45 minute podcast. And I thought it was fantastic because it 100% applied to what we do as property managers, what we do as real estate individuals, because most property management companies have some sort of sales arm and we all deal with tenant credit issues because we get literally hundreds, maybe thousands of applications in a year. And a lot of times we have to turn them down via credit. And we hate doing that because we're, we're pushing potential customers away from us. So Dylan and I are going to have a real good conversation about some of the roots of credit repair, what they do at James Warren. And I just, I just thought it was fascinating. I wanted to bring them on. So without further blah, blah, blah for me, Dylan, give me a few minutes to tell us who you are, what you do. Hey man, I just want to say again, thank you so much for, for letting me be on here. Uh, so our company, what we specialize in is helping people get educated about how credit really works. And I think just like anything else, the core fundamentals of credit is what needs to be understood. Um, actually, I make a lot of the relations just like when it comes to working out. So until you get surgical and understanding in counting your macros and figuring out how you target the certain muscle group that you're working on to help grow until you get dialed in on those things. You don't know how to get that physique or that, you know, build that you're looking for. And it's the same thing with credit. So we help a lot of people build their strengths and knowledge and understanding on how credit works and then how to leverage it to their benefit. We're also shifting the mindset of people to say, Hey, you know, whatever happened in your past, you know, year, two years, four or five years, that is not permanent. 
the negative marks that are on there and the current life situation that you're in at the moment that is not permanent. It can all be fixed. Uh, so that, that is essentially what, we, what we're helping with. We empower people. We get them more educated about how credit works. We even will go above and beyond with helping them disputing negative items, removing negative items, and coaching them through how to exactly get the healthy profile and the good scores they need so they can start improving the overall quality of their lifestyle. Because I actually- I want, oh, good. I, I want to elaborate a little bit more. And then I want, I want you to go further back and tell yeah. us a little bit more of your story because I think every property management company person or property manager, whatever your role is in the world of, of our industry, you need to pay attention because this has applications that are- Numerous. So let's talk through where they're going to actually apply and what we do. All of our tenants that apply for homes, if you have to potentially deny them, you should try to help them put them into some sort of uh, contact with a credit repair or credit restoration type of a company like what you're doing, because they could turn around and either one, give you good positive Google reviews or two, come back to you and rent from you later on. Okay, that's just from the very surface. Now, second level is when those tenants get into your homes, and your owner wants to sell the home or that tenant wants to buy a home, maybe you match the two together and put a marriage of, of uh, a deal together where they buy the home from you or they buy another home from you from one of your agents. Because a lot of times why they're renting is because they don't necessarily have the credit perfectly to go ahead and get into a purchase type situation. So there's a lot of reasons there just in that small life cycle of what we do in the business world that this is going to apply to. So having babbled all that, I want you to back up a little bit and talk to us yeah. more about kind of how you got into this. Tell us your story. I think it's pretty fascinating. And I wanted to, to elaborate this with the listeners. Go ahead. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, um, I mean, I feel like my story is boring just because it's mine. Uh, but uh, previous history and what I did, uh, I used to be a managing partner for a Verizon store. And so I was in the retail sales. So I was used to, you know, grinding out the weekends, doing all that fun stuff, holidays, work those, everything. And what I would start to run into is a lot of people uh, that, because you finance uh, phones nowadays, because they're a thousand to $2,000, that they're trying to get phones and they weren't getting approved. And I was like, man, this kind of sucks because this is hurting my business because I can't get them approved. Just like I'd imagine that would be the same in property management. You'd love to, you know, fill your uh, buildings up with tenants, but if they're not approved, they're not approved. So I personally, myself, uh, when I was younger, I've always had good credit until I started getting into cars. And when I got into cars, that's where I put a lot of my finances, a lot of my credit, a lot of my money into it. And I have no problem, you know, exposing this, but there was a time where my credit wound up tanking. I got one of my cars repoed because my income wasn't the same. I was trying to get things going and I just couldn't keep up with it. So I actually wind up being my first customer because I went to uh, Google right away when my uh, scores were going bad and I couldn't get approved for anything. And I literally went in and just started saying like, how can I fix my credit? So as I'm looking it up, you know, there's little letters here, there's videos here, but it wasn't anything that was solid. I wind up finding a company, hiring a company, and literally two, it, it was about $2,200 later, invested into this company, barely ever hearing from them until I had to give them more money because it was actually wind up being debt consolidation, not a real repair. I was out of the money. My scores were worse than when I started with them. And so I wanted to learn it on my own. 
So I started finding out um, how you can be certified, how you can work with the bureaus, how you can do all the things necessary to handle it yourself. And here I am as a credit repair business owner today, still telling people they can do it themselves. And I know that sounds crazy, but I'm telling you the truth. You can do it yourself. But the reason that credit repair companies like myself exist is because we are just taking all of the legwork out of it because some people don't want to take the time to do everything. And that's perfectly okay. That is the reason that we're here. So I wound up being my first customer. I wound up getting good results. And then I posted it on Facebook because I was proud to get myself back in the situation. Then I started getting all these DMs. Everybody started messaging me. Hey, Dylan, I got this going on. Hey, can you help me? Hey, how'd you do this? Then I started making it a business where that income was floating on the months that we weren't doing well um, at Verizon. You know, because as a managing partner, just like I share profits, I also share losses. So on our, on our slower months, I had to come up with it somewhere. So long story short, I wind up selling uh, the managing partner store and I went full-time with this. And once I started helping people get into homes, getting approved for apartments, getting them new cars, helping them get approved for actual good credit cards, you know, 0% for, you know, 18 months and high 15, $20,000 limit credit cards. I was like, holy shit, I'm doing something here. Like when somebody comes in and they speak with me, I'm actually able to make a difference. So that's where all of this came from. I wound up being my first customer. I posted it. I started helping other people. And then it absolutely exploded from there. There's, there's so many applications I'm thinking about with the, the property management industry. Uh, one of the objections, this is kind of, this is, might blow you away a little bit. One of the objections you will get from uh, other, my, oh, my peers, my colleagues, is they don't want to help the tenants with credit repair. They want them to rent forever. Uh, because, you know, in their attitude, they're like, well, I don't want them to, to buy a home and leave. I want them to stay in my rental unit forever and ever and ever. And, and I say that's kind of the wrong way to think. I would say you want them to get to a situation where they can buy a home and then buy a rental home and then have you manage it. And so if you do the right thing, of course, you could obviously get the sale for that as a buyer's agent, right? You can, you can get them set up. You can get them teed up or uh, getting their credits where they need to be. You can get them you know, pre-approved through whatever local lender you like using and boom, they're ready to go. And you're, you know, it's got to buy them a home. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's interesting. Now, the other side of that is again, we work with so many applicants and so many tenants uh, that come to us. I would say the average property management company does 10 times the volume of what your average real estate agent would do as far as people they connect with that potentially could use the service. And so it's an interesting part because if you talk about long-term implementation, maybe there's an opportunity to implement this in one of our monthly programs. We have all these different, you know, as, as property management companies, we have all these different monthly programs. We have a resident benefits package. We have maintenance service packages. We have all these things that we can, you know, we can charge for monthly credit repair on the tenant ledger because again, we have them, you know, right where we want them or right where we need them to where we can press the easy button with them and say, Sign up for this credit repair. We'll charge you X per month. It'll go on your tenant ledger and you can start working with our group over here. And so just interesting implica uh, implications there on getting them into our system. Now, one of the things I heard about on your episodes, I want you to talk about the different levels of credit. Uh, this was a previous conversation you were having with those, those guys at the podcast before. There was three or five different levels of credit and, and five or seven different credits inside yep. of that. 
I thought that was absolutely mind blowing. And I want you to really go through some of that because that's going to teach a lot of us. There's a lot of different levels of credit from vehicles to homes to whatever. Keep going. Absolutely. So one thing that I just want to touch on right before I go into it, because it hit me the second that you said it, it was the same thing that I agree with. Two words you said, long term. So when you were speaking about, you know, the, hey, they may not want people to get their, their credit repaired. They want to keep them as tenants forever. That's short-term thinking. And I'm sorry if that offends anybody that's listening, but that's the reality of it. My job isn't to be your best friend. It's to, it's to provide you with the value and the truth. So that is very short-term thinking. So that tells me that that person only just wants tenants in that one building and they're only thinking about that every single time. Where here is another way, you kind of touched on it, but I just want to expand for a second of the long-term thinking. If you're going to be in property management forever, that is great. However, what happens when you do help somebody with their credit and that tenant moves out? Oh my God, now I don't have a tenant. You will always have a tenant because you're going to have somebody that can fill those shoes again, that can renew that lease again. Plus, you have no idea how grateful those tenants will be. I personally think it would make you stand out as a property management company if you're going above and beyond and helping them because you don't know who they know. And you now have a earned interest with them where you've helped them either go into a rental home or buying a home, whatever it is. You've help them get further, naturally, they're going to want to refer you more people. Not if you keep them in the same place and don't give them the ability to grow and expand. So maybe um, they're in an apartment complex and then they want to go to a rental home. You can help them do that. And they'd be more willing to do that if their credit was higher and you were the one that helped them. Right? And so I see this, this exact scenario playing out. Here is how it's going to work. Uh, again, we get lots of applications that come in. I think at, at my company, RentWorks, we rent about 450 homes a year. So we figure three to five applications per home. Let's just call it a couple thousand applications per year. And so if we get somebody with a credit below X, and I don't want to go through all my right. screening criteria. It's just boring. But let's say their credit is below X. Instead of sending them the, the average denial letter, the adverse action letter with a giant middle finger, basically is yep. what it is. We say we could say something to the effect of here's your your federally required adverse action letter, but we want to help you. We're going to refer you over. Contact this company here. Use this discount code. Tell them we sent you to you, and and try to get your credit better. Then come back to us. Exactly right. And so I think that's how we should look at implementing something like what you do into our processes almost immediately because I think there's there's value in that. And I want you, I want to just bring it up to the, to the listeners, because that's how I was thinking about, you know, this, as far as our company, I think that's going to be tied right into what we do just in the application process, not even the buyer side, not right. even the tenant side that's in, that's in our homes for five years. I'm just talking the upfront applicants. That's, that's our first introduction to RentWorks. And let's say we have to turn them down and they know they're going to get turned down, right? They know because their credit is, you know, really subpar, but at least we try to help and that's going to reflect in reviews. That's going to reflect in word of mouth. I think that's a very positive thing for us to, to look at doing. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And uh, let me, let me go ahead and transition into now those five factors of credit, how many different credit scores there are, because this is my favorite part. I love educating about credit. So I'm going to throw a lot of numbers out. So this may need to be slowed down. It may need to be replayed. You may need to do whatever that is fine, but you need to know the facts. So, we all know the three credit bureaus, TransUnion, Experian, Equifax.
when it comes to a lending decision. Now in property management and getting an approval uh, for that, maybe you can help me out here. Maybe it's different. Um, but I know when it comes to actually applying for a mortgage, they're going to look at a client's mid score, right? So they're going to take all three bureaus and they're going to take the middle score of the three. And that's going to be that mortgage score. Now, there are 28 different FICO scores that we have. And the reason that we have 28 different FICO scores is because there are so many different things that we can apply for every single day. Like I said, you can even finance your cell phone now. You could go to Valero and get a gas card, a gas credit card. You can finance when you're getting gas. That's crazy. You can finance anything, auto loans, personal loans, mortgages, lines of credit, credit cards, everything. So the purpose behind all of these different scores is because they are getting more surgical with trying to understand who you are as a borrower in that same field of what you're applying for. For example, if you're trying to apply for a credit card, that is your FICO 8 score. And so all three bureaus are going to give you what your FICO 8 score is that is registered with them. And FICO 8 is uh, weighing out heavier than any other type of credit. They're looking at your other revolving credit accounts, right? So before they say we extend you this credit card for $10,000, we want to see what other credit cards you have and how you've been uh, maintaining them and how long you've been maintaining them. Because all your credit scores are, all 28 of them, those are just a calculated number for a lender to assess what your risk level is, right? How risky you are as a borrower to them before they give you the money. Now, to know how credit works and how you can influence those scores, you need to understand the five factors that influence those scores. So the number one influence to your score going up or down is payment history. Payment history controls 35% influence. Now to convert that over to the point system, well, how many points and how does that affect me? The lowest your score can be is a 300. The highest your score can be is an 850, which means 550 points is what your scores can fluctuate total. And then we divide those up by the five factors. So that 35% influence for payment history that's 192 and a half points. So this is why it's so detrimental when you're either under contract for a home or when you're trying to apply for um, a, a new apartment or a rental home or a car, you want to make sure you do not miss any payments, that you are not late on any payments because it can affect you up to 192 and a half points. That's almost the difference of being in the 500s to the 700s just by controlling and maintaining your payment history. Now, number two is utilization. So this is gonna rabbit hole me for a second, but I promise it'll be all worth it. It'll come together. So utilization is not how much you have spent on your credit card. It is the balance that you're carrying over. Let me give you an example. So if you have a $1,000 credit card and you've spent $500, you've utilized 50%. However, what is going to report your overall utilization is the balance you carry over after that billing cycle. So if you spent 500 on a $1,000 credit card and you have 50% utilization, but you've made a $400 payment 
by your statement date. There is a due date and a statement date. The statement date is the day that the balance cuts to the credit bureaus. It's the remaining balance you carry over. So if you make a $400 payment on or by the statement date, now you'll have a remaining balance of $100 of that $1,000 credit card. You are now only going to report 10% utilization because it's the balance you carry over, not what you have spent. Now, why is that very important to know? And why am I harping in on that? Because I don't know about you, but I know one, I didn't learn about credit in school. Nobody taught me these specifics, but the people that we get advice from all the time, which is typically a family member, a friend, a coworker, kind of give us some misguided information. Not intentionally, but it's because we just don't know what we don't know, but everybody loves to hear themselves talk and they always want to put their two cents in without being able to give you the fact, the documented fact. So the documented fact is utilization is the balance that carries over, which means I'm going to teach you how to use your credit cards properly because credit cards aren't bad. They're not the devil. It is not the credit card's fault that you spent the money. Nobody taught you how to properly use it, when to use it, how to use it. And now you're into this debt. So the fastest way to fix your credit score is if you have active credit cards, is getting a hold of those balances. Because that 30% um, influence that the uh, utilization carries, that's 165 points. Right? That's what it correlates to because 550 potential, 30% of that is 165. So to kind of wrap that up there, when you're using your credit cards, find out what the statement date is on each and every one of those credit cards. Grab your phone, use the calendar, and then make a mental or put an actual reminder for every month of the statement date of those credit cards. You can use as much of the credit card as you like responsibly with discipline. What I mean is this, don't spend $500 if you don't have $500 in the bank. But the reason I'm telling you to spend the $500 with the credit card instead of the debit card is because the credit card company incentivizes you by reward points, cash back, mileage points to use their money instead of yours. When you swipe your debit card, you got no incentives and the money is immediately gone. When you use a credit card that gives you some cash back or mileage or whatever, now you're stacking up cash back points and mileage points and all of it. If you make the payment by the statement date, which you'll always get the reminder from the calendar with your cards on the statement date, if you spent a little bit more, but you need to report a smaller balance, make your big payments on the statement date. So then that way you can utilize your credit cards effectively. Like I remember being told when I was growing up, don't use your credit card, keep that card all the way in the back. You know, if you don't have the money saved up three times or whatever, don't buy it. You know, don't use the credit card unless you absolutely have to. Specifically on credit cards, I've heard that um, they, they want you to carry a balance of a certain percentage. Is that a misnomer or is that an actual good idea? So. That's an actual thing, but let's get surgical on it. Most people say, oh, 30%. You're probably, oh, keep it under 30% or no more than 30%. Well, the exceptional tier, the top tier of that 
to maximize your potential scores going up by your reporting balance is between one and 9%. So uh, under 30% is good. You know, it, it's going to be good. But the reality of it is this. I don't know about you guys, but I'm willing to admit my faults. I don't always remember everything to a T, which is why I gave the tip of putting all the statement dates in the calendar so you get the mental reminder to make the payment. So say my card is at 27% utilization, but I forgot that that was, you know, the exact amount and I swipe it for dinner or I swipe it for gas. And now I put myself over the 30% because it won't take much. Then I'm right back down where I was just working at. So this takes discipline, but one to 9% is the exact place you want to be. That that's is interesting. Going, that's that's interesting be because you figure... Let's talk through that. So you got a ten thousand yep. dollar credit card limit, right? For fun, easy math. Uh, you're saying that we should keep uh, seven hundred to nine hundred dollar balance. So you can keep a lower balance. That is on the maximum side of what you should keep. Because I know right now, whoever's going to be listening to this part is like, "But Dylan, my credit card company charges me twenty five percent. I don't want to pay interest on the money. That's why I use my debit card." I'm not telling you that. What I'm saying is, you know, if you keep that $700 balance, you know, you're going to be in the best position possible to have the highest score. But if you have the ability to pay it down even further, if you leave a hundred bucks on there or 50 bucks or $5 or $10, anything, the closer to zero, the better. You don't want to exceed past on that same concept. You want to exceed past $900 if you wanna keep your score at the highest point it could be. But to avoid paying the super high interest, leave a remaining balance of $100 or less because they're not making a ton of money on the rate there, right? Like let's say if you left $20 and they're getting 20% of $20, who cares? Because now what's happening is you're leaving a remaining balance on there that eliminates the credit card company from decreasing the limit or shutting your card off. The reason I'm mentioning this is because some people, once they get a hold of their credit cards, they pay them all down and, or they pay them all off and they're like, I'm going to cut them up or I'm going to throw them in the drawer. I'm never going to use them again. But then what winds up happening is the limit gets decreased and then you go to use it one time and you realize, wait a minute, why don't I have the same limit? That's your first warning. And then the second warning, if you maintain these zero you know, balances and don't use them, they will shut your card off and your scores will go down. Here's the question. So a lot of us are listening to this or we're probably, I'll just throw my situation out there. So let's say I've got two or three different credit cards. Let's say they all have, you know, a 30 grand credit limit. I just like use them and then pay them off every month. Am I like the odd one idiot to do that? Or is that hurting me? I mean, oh. Tell me, tell me more about this. Yeah. So you're definitely not hurting yourself. The, the, the step, the additional step I would say to take is just find out what the statement date is. And if you plan on paying it pretty quickly, you have until the statement date, but if you pay it before then, you're solid because the due date is just a reoccurring payment of when they want their money, but the balance that's being reported is by the statement date. So like, for example, um, even myself, I swipe my credit card for everything because they're going to incentivize me with reward points and cashback. But sometimes I will immediately log into my app and schedule a payment. That's okay. You're not doing anything bad right? That, that's going to help you because now you're maintaining to keep those balances low. So even if you have the extra money in the bank, I'm still saying use the credit cards because 
Like, for example, I have a American Express more rewards. It's through Navy Fed uh, Credit Union. And they give phenomenal cash back. So what I do, and sometimes when I stack up enough and I know that I'm getting ready to make a payment, I'll cash out the cashback points and pay them back with their money instead of mine. Now I'm truly leveraging their money because I've swiped their money. And then they say, hey, Dylan, it's time for us to collect on the money that you've uh, spent. We want a minimum payment of this or we want at least this. And I say, hey, I'm willing to give you this much. Let's go convert my cashback points out and here you go. It's your money anyway. Remember that commercial, where's the beef? In property management, you could say, where's the profit? You want your business to grow, but it feels like you're just spinning your wheels. We get it because we've been there. If you are ready to do something different in 2022, then head over to thepropertymanagementcoach.com to find out more about coaching programs and what they can do for you. Mention that you heard this ad on the Property Management Mastermind podcast and get $250 off any coaching program. Again, the website is thepropertymanagementcoach.com. Back to the housing <clears throat> let's go back to the housing portion so yeah. um so what we use is we use the rent screener app and that's through rent vine which is all software you've probably never heard of which is fine yeah. um yeah. the point of it where we're going is that they use the TransUnion tenant score and so yeah. it's kind of a combination of a fico type score and then they throw in some tenant history kind of mixed into the their formula and that's that's one of the scores we rely on. So talk us through more a little bit on the housing portion and any of the magic numbers. Like, you know, magic number that comes top of my head is FHA, VA, you got to have a 620 FICO. And I don't know if any of this is still accurate. I'm just going off of old information I remember. Is there any of those magic numbers in housing that you can kind of talk us through? Yeah. So um, that, that's actually a great topic. So there are guidelines and then there are overlays. And I want to explain this for a second because specifically to this topic, it's great. So for example, in VA, for a VA home loan, there is no credit score requirement. None. According to the VA, that client can have a 400 credit score and still technically get approved. That's what the guidelines say. Now the overlays are what the mortgage companies that you're working with have set for their company. So for example, uh, especially when the pandemic was like super, like, um, you know, blowing up in the, in the housing market, when they started raising those minimum score requirements for FHA, when they were saying like, oh, now it went to a 600 or a 620, but then everybody had at least that one person they knew that'll still do a minimum 580. The reason that one person can do a 580 and the other one does a 620 is because that is the overlays of the business that they work for, the company that they work for. So they can set their own set of overlays. So unfortunately, what happens on the consumer side, when somebody is trying to get approved and they go to one lender and they say, well, sorry, our FHA requirements are a 620 and you're a 580, this doesn't work. They immediately put in their brain, I'm never going to get approved until I get there. But it's not true because there are other companies that still have a lower overlay and will accept that 580. So FHA is 580. Some people you'll talk to will say 600 or 620. Just understand that that is a overlay. But FHA is a minimum 580. 
And then to do uh, like down payment assistance, you got to have at least a 620. And then to go to conventional, you got to have at least a 640. Now, one last thing I want to touch on those scores is those are the minimum requirements, yes. But I'm about helping people and doing the right thing. Now, I'm not saying don't put people in homes because it doesn't give them the best rate, but if you're just barely skinning by to get the approval, you're getting somebody in, in a house, sure, but did you really help them at that point? And this is where we step in. So one of our requirements as a company, one of our standards is when a client works with us, we work for that client until we get them into the 700s across the board. That is that is what our commitment is to the client. Reason being, if a client is in a situation where a landlord is going to be selling um, and they have a minimum, minimum time that they have to move out and they need to go find another place, we're going to work with the client. And let's say they do get approved at that minimum 620. That's great. But the client still has us to keep working for them till we get them in the 700s. So then that way, when they do get the higher scores that qualify them for better rates and better loan uh, terms and conditions, they can go ahead and refinance or they can go ahead and reapply based on what their new scores are. And that's just something that we do. Now, did you close the loop on that conversation where we're talking about all the different credit types and yes. scores? So you kind of feel like, okay, we've, we've talked about the housing, the credit card type situations. You know, what about purchasing vehicles? Because a lot of us, you know, hey, we like to drive vehicles. Um, is there any magic number in, in that stuff? This is just for fun conversation. Yeah. So again, every bank has different requirements. So there's really no solid score. Um, you know, that's like, hey, the minimum you're going to get approved for is this. Because every bank uh, is different. And typically when you're going to get a car and you're trying to get approved, most dealerships use a plethora of banks, right? So, and they all have their different overlays and, and whatever. So, and there's a, there's a score for that too. There's like a, a, yes. is there a vehicle score or what do they call it? Yes. So they do actually have an auto score. Um, most companies at the dealership or most banks at the dealership are going to be looking at your FICO 8. Now, uh, there are, because of COVID, there's new, you know, things rolling out almost weekly where they're starting to look at your FICO auto nine score. Now to wrap all of this up and close it out, um, the best solution I can offer is just go to the, my FICO app or go to their website, whatever, download my FICO, because that will give you all 28 of your FICO scores. You had a really good opinion on Credit Karma. And so I, I, I took your advice on that. I want you to elaborate on kind of the differences between those two apps. Absolutely. So now the difference of my FICO and Credit Karma, let, let's focus on Credit Karma for a second. So they give you what's called your Vantage scores. If you open up the app right now, you're going to see that you have two scores. So you're already missing one bureau. And then what they're doing is they're measuring those scores and those behaviors, the factors, payment history, utilization, inquiries, which we'll cover those last three in a minute. Um, they're measuring all of those factors based on the Vantage scoring model, not even your FICO scores. And the reason why that matters is because payment history, number one influence at 35%, well, that's actually a 40% influence on Vantage. So there's a 5% discrepancy. 
Number two at utilization on the FICO model at 30%, that actually drops down to category number three on Vantage at 21%. So there's another 9% discrepancy. Correlating that to points, just in the two factors that influence your score going up or down, there could be a 77-point difference by looking at your Credit Karma app versus my FICO. So, and that's not even going into all of them. That's just giving you the tip there. So it can be so dramatically different. And if anybody is trying to buy a home, if you remember me saying about the mid-score, you can't get a mid-score when you're only looking at two bureaus. So that's my other thing. Uh, and then last thing about Credit Karma is their goal, it's a business, I'm not hating on the business, but their business is to sell you credit cards. They are affiliate partners with each and every one of those lenders that you ever notice, you open up the app, you could go up one point. You go up one point and they are blowing you up to tell you all these uh, very good approval odds that you have for these loans and these cards. Well, you know, don't answer this personally, but for the people that are watching, you ever say, wow, I have very good approval odds for this. You go and apply for it and you get denied anyway. The reason you get denied is because based on Credit Karma's Vantage scores, you'd have very good odds. But then when the actual credit card company or the personal loan company is pulling your FICO score that has that big difference in how they calculate your scores, you're now actually still denied. So now you cost yourself that hard inquiry or inquiry, however you say it, you, now you cost yourself that for no damn reason. As a result of that last episode I listened to where you uh, were talking about this, I went and turned off everything with Credit Karma. I canceled that. Mm -hmm. Then I signed up for my, folk, my, my FICO. So it's myfico.com. There's a good app. Yep. There's a good, good website you can go to to sign up. I thought that was really great advice. And so I wanted you to elaborate on that, yes. um, you know, because one of the things that I like to do is, is I buy trucks every year and a half, two years, you know, new truck. I'm just, you know, it's a write off and I'm that kind of guy. And I always like to know, hey, you walk into a dealership, you can, you're going to get approved. All right. Because every one of us has that little twinge of like doubt, you know, you're sitting there waiting for it to come back. You could be, you know, <clears throat> Bill Gates, right. You, and yep. you're, you're applying for credit and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get approved or not. And all of us have that. And it's kind of funny even if you're really well to do, you still have that little cringe of like, Oh, am I going to get denied? How embarrassing would that be? You uh -huh. know, and you, you make a bunch of money and you get denied. And so I like to keep track on it. Plus, you know, there's fraud going on all the time. You don't know if someone's grabbed a credit card and they start spending money. And so those, those, those alert type systems with my FICO are good for everybody to have. Yep. I agree. Plus on top of that quick tip for the dealership, I tell everybody, you want my FICO just because you're going to know before you walk in there, before anybody pulls your credit, you're going to know, you can click, you want to know your auto score. It's going to tell you, you want to know your mortgage score. It's going to tell you before anybody pulls your credit and it's directly from FICO themselves. So the last part of this is if you know, you're going to buy a car, cause I'm that person too. Like I just bought another car uh, about a week and a half ago. You should see my driveway in my garage. I just like cars. I'm a car person. I grew up that way. So I have multiple cars. So what I do is I go to my credit union. And if I know typically what I'm going to spend, it only costs me one hard inquiry. And I go and I have that blank check to know I can spend up to this much. So if you're not leasing and you are financing, don't let the dealership convince you, hey, we send more applications to the bank than you do so we can get better rates than you can. Or if you walk in with the check and they're like, hey, if we can match it or beat it, can we get it? No, because they're going to 
shotgun your credit to multiple banks. And now you're going to have multiple inquiries report as opposed to one. And that will also help kind of um, alleviate the, man, I hope I'm going to get approved. Because you know, when you're walking in the dealership, you know, you're already in there, right? You know, you're already approved. You know what your rate is. You agree to the terms and conditions. You're happy with the rate and the amount that you have to spend. You're ready to go. Dealerships hate that, but it's the best thing for you and your credit. Great advice. Love it. Yeah, there's, there's lots... I'm sure you could teach more about the credit stuff than we can we can ever fathom or understand. Uh, we as property managers, again, we have such an opportunity to have a positive influence on people who need just a little bit of nudge, a little bit of guidance, and can be turned on to a company like yourselves that can help them because it's all going to come around. They're going to come back to us and with referrals, they're going to come back to us and rent properties, bigger properties from us, and or they're going to turn around and want to buy homes and or investment properties at the same time to include referring their friends and family because yep. we were the ones to help them. So there's a lot of positive influence and I'm, I'm really encouraging, I would encourage you and your company to look at what we do as property management in the property management industry and say, you know what, we need to maybe make a bit more focused effort to get in touch with those folks because, you know, quite frankly, we're, we're touching 10 times the folks uh, who your average real estate agent would touch. You know, they're going to touch a few people that, you know, get air quote denied and they're going to try and get them credit set up. And, and so, I mean, they're, they're going to have a few clients, you know, but man, we have such a, such a bigger sphere of influence. I'm hoping you guys kind of look at us and say, you know what, we need to maybe find a niche a little bit further in the property management industry. Oh yeah. I, I agree. Cause like, this is, this is the first time I actually spoke to somebody in property management that is delivering it in this way. So that's why we never thought of it just because nobody's presented it in that way. And the great thing about us specifically is uh, we, have, uh, we have very, very big volume. So just like you guys, we have a lot of people that are enrolling into our services weekly. Um, and we have a percentage of those people that are in situations when they're graduating our program that maybe they prefer to rent. Right? They don't want to pay $300,000 for the same house that was $189,000 you know, a year and a half ago. Right? Not everybody wants to do that. Some people, they don't want to maintain their properties. They don't want to be responsible for when stuff breaks. And some people prefer to rent and that's okay. So we have a good amount of people that say, hey, I want to go somewhere. I want to rent somewhere. Or maybe it's job related where they can't be tied down to a mortgage. Right? So we have a good amount of people that are looking for places to rent. And so we make sure specifically at our company, excuse me, that we reciprocate. So it's not just you sending us business all the time. We're making sure that we have qualified people that would get approved on the credit side for your rental properties that we can refer back over and say, hey, you got anything for this family? They need this and this and this. You got anything that you know, can fit that? Yeah, it's interesting. There's a couple of different things I want to talk about. Uh, in a lot of our application processes, there's, there's a big debate going on inside the industry. Uh, it ties into fair housing. Uh, for example, to kind of give you the, the left and right, on the left, some people say they'll take the first qualified applicant that applies for a home that meets the minimum required credit that they put on that particular home. And then the other school of thought, either the right lane, is that people want to pick the best applicant. So when you're choosing the best applicant, there's a process through that. It's all fair and legal and all that good stuff. You just have to do the same for everybody, right? That's really all it is. You just, you have to have written guidelines and do the same for everybody. And on the right side, again, with the best applicant, uh, the credit really does matter. 
because if you're looking at three, four, five different applicants, uh, income is king, but credit is queen. And so we always look at that as almost a huge giant deciding factor in a subjective manner. It's not a spit it into a computer and then the computer spits out, choose applicant B. And there's, you know, 20 different uh, uh, criteria there, but it's, it's very subjective when you go for that route. And it's, it's a little bit of common sense to me. I mean, I know there's, you could argue that the you taking the first in the door that meets the criteria is a possibly a safer method. Right. But it's also like, if, if it was your home, who would you want to rent your home? Do you want the person that meets the minimum, you know, barely make three X revenue, barely have a, an X credit score, or do you want the person that makes 20 grand a month and has, you know, gigantic, awesome credit and can do everything they want. Obviously if it was my home, I'd want the latter. I'd want the person that has, you know, the income and then a solid credit. And so just trying to, I wanted to give you the background because I'm not really necessarily making a point other than I'm kind of educating you on what is our industry, what we have to deal with and kind of deciding how you want to run a business, how you want your processes to work in the application and leasing side. So it's kind of interesting stuff. What do you think? Yeah, no, man, I agree. Like, and here's the thing. I love learning. I love being educated too. I'm a forever student. So the more I get to learn about how you guys operate and what um, your decisions are, not necessarily in lending, but, you know, getting them approved for, for the place. Um, you know, that's great. You could get, you could give it all to me. I'm very receptive of it. Uh, so as far as I would, I would also say kind of closing this up is there's, I can see RentWorks implementing this in, in a pretty good manner. Uh, and here's how I would think we do it. Like we talked about earlier, but, uh, let's talk Turkey on this and I'll, let's be real frank. So we're, we, we get all these applications in. We'd like to be able to send folks your way with some sort of either marketing incentive and or discount code, right? That's a, let's be real frank with the team out there. Uh, that's a fancy way to say kickback. We're not asking for a kickback, but if we can get our clients a discount code, one, you know where they came from. And two, maybe you can throw us a bone later on, either, either in, you know, donuts or, or actual real dollars, right? Marketing incentive is what they call it. This happens all the time in business. This is, this is completely normal because one, you want to track where that business is coming from. Two, you can probably help us build up that business to get to you. And three, we want to say, okay, we're going to partner, right, with your company. We're going to add a section of what you do on our website. And if somebody doesn't work out in the beginning, we're going to say, here's your, you know, adverse action letter, but we want you to go talk to this company here, talk to these folks here. And when you can get yourself squared away in three days, three years, come back and rent from us, we'll be happy to work with you. That's the bottom line really is what we're looking for. So what do you think about all that? You know, what can we work out? Oh, we could definitely work something out because um, that, that is something pretty standard of what I, uh, what I do with a lot of agents and loan officers at the moment. So when it comes to the property management side, I have absolutely no uh, issues with doing that because that's very common within my industry. Um, the end of the day, what we're doing is we're helping people whether it's helping them get into um, a new apartment complex, renting a new home, buying a home, whatever it is. If we're working together and partnering in that situation to help people, I'm all about it, right? So um, there's things that I do. I'll give you some examples and it may be able to be something we could do too. Um, I do personally a lot of classes and seminars, like either first time home buyer or, you know, just overall becoming qualified or credit 101s, teaching people about it and hosting them at places where, you know, we want them to buy. So now they're in the place and, you know, they're seeing what it looks like and they're getting excited and they're like, wait, so even if I don't think I qualify, now I have a solution on how to get in there. 
And when it comes to our partnership on the money side, uh, we do those things all the time where we'll sponsor events or, you know, we'll say, hey, we're going to give each and every one of your referrals that come from us an exclusive discount because that is the value of our partnership. So, you know, they could get a special rate on our services to help get them qualified. And I know sometimes uh, agents will say, Hey, we'll reimburse that client at closing, or we'll do something like that. There's so many different variations of what we can do. Um, so I'm definitely open to figuring, you know, out what we can do to help your, um, you know, your applicants, you know, get into your properties, um, even at giving them exclusive discounts to work with us. So well, I'm, can't be, we shouldn't be short-sighted on just the applicants because a lot of what our need right now for credit repair is with the existing tenants because our marketing team on the sales side, and we've been building that up. We've, we've had uh, hired a couple new agents in the last six months, year. And obviously we have a captive audience of tenants, right? They are warm leads. You can call them up and say, Hey, this is uh, so-and-so with RentWorks, and you're currently renting your home with us, what we'd like to do is talk to you about possibly some home ownership opportunities later on down the road. It could be three months, six months, because we know your lease agreement is expiring in six months. Right. So let's talk about what your plans are. Do you want to buy a home? Yeah, I want to buy a home. Do you have an agent? No, I don't. Well, great. This is this is an opportunity for us to potentially work together. Uh, you know what your credit is. Yeah, my credit's crappy. It's 550. Okay. Now we need to know, now we have an opportunity to say, okay, let's let's partner you up with our team over here. We have a discount. We have a special situation going on with them. They're going to work with you directly in the next 90 days, six months to get you to where you can purchase. And so the other side of that is a as a property manager, it sure would be nice to control that process. Mm -hmm. And hear me out because property managers, again, we talked about this a minute ago, they don't want these tenants to buy homes. Well, we want them to because we want them to turn into investors, but we also remember we can control the process. So if we know they're leaving, we can help replace them easier. So the owner that we actually work for and manage the home for, we can say, okay, yes, we we're selling your tenant a home. We're moving your tenant out, which the owner, you know, they might have issue with, but then we turn around and tell them, you know what, but we're controlling that. We're controlling when the tenant's leaving, we're controlling the early termination fees. And then we're going to replace that tenant very quickly with a new tenant. So everybody is made whole versus yeah. a tenant. What we'll do is, is 30 days from, from when the tenant is supposed to have their lease expired, lease expires 30 November, they send you a, a non-renewal notice on one November. Well, guess what? That's the worst time of year to try and rent. And so actually the owner is getting screwed on that. But if we were there to control that process, we can basically potentially push them to where it's a good situation for the owner, good situation for the tenant is going to buy a home. So I want to elaborate on that because you may not know this. Some of our listeners somewhat sort of know that, but it's not top of mind because this is sort of a new topic for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. This is great. Like you have no idea how hard my wheels are turning right now. Um, so another thing I would think of like for the potential um, for the potential people that are, would have an issue with them becoming qualified home buyers, at least you can know because you have control of this too. Hey, well, on the applicant side, we've increased the percentage of qualified applicants to replace that tenant that is going to be now a homeowner. Um, so, so you're covering both ends to say, don't worry. We have even more confidence that we can get you a new tenant to replace this one because our percentage of qualified applicants has went up.
right? So we have somebody who's already interested in the property because you could dual market to those people while they're in our program to say, hey, you're this much closer to, you know, getting this property or, you know, whatever it is, you can come up with some kind of creative marketing. So they're getting a discount as an applicant. They're getting a discount as a current tenant when they want to upgrade and do those things. We can do it on both ends. So now you're increasing the qualified applicants, you're increasing the qualified tenants, and you have overall control of where you're placing all of these people that is mutually beneficial for them and your company. Yeah. And all, the, all of this is going towards our bottom line because yep. as we, the thing about property management, you have to understand is we're not real estate agents. Real estate agents ride a roller coaster of sales. One year they could be killing it. The next year they're washing cars to make a living. Property yeah. management companies are very, very steady. So we're like the, the slow turtle that wins the race. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, a lot of us in our industry can say, we're going to have that much revenue next year, that much revenue the next year, because we know what we do and it's at a very steady pace. Uh, I'd also encourage you to really potentially um, look at coming out to the property manager mastermind conference as an attendee slash vendor, uh, just because I think this is almost like a coming out party. I don't think there's any real credit type agencies that are honing in on property management. And there's a lot of my fellow peers that want to talk with you and understand, okay, how can I implement this? How can I implement that? Because at the end of the day, a five or 10% increase makes a big difference for us because again, we're having that steady, slow, you know, it's, it's, what, what do they call it? It's a game of dimes and nickels for us, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. The dimes and nickels, they add up, you know, at a thousand units on their management or 500 units or a hundred units that all adds up every little nickel you add and every little referral you get all the little, you know, five-star reviews you get from Google, it all adds up to a better type of a business. So I'd encourage you to come out to the mastermind conference if you get an opportunity, but to close this loop, I want you to show and tell everybody how we reach you how we get in touch with you a little bit further to talk more about what you can do for our business. Yeah. So the best way, um, there's two. So one, you can get a hold of our affiliate relations manager. We have an entire department that specifically works with our partners or partners to be people that are interested in being partners. Uh, so that would be Diana and her phone number is 570-994-5874. You shoot her a text, you let her know that it's from here, from the podcast, you know, you listened here and, you're interested in becoming a partner, she can send you everything that's needed. Part two, if you want to go to our website, which I also highly encourage, like I push people to look at our reviews, look at what other people are saying about us, look into us, research us and ask us to provide whatever you want. We're an open book. If you go to our website, it's jameswarrengroupinc.com, I-N-C. So jameswarrengroupinc.com. When you go there, you'll see an affiliate tab. You click that affiliate tab, you hit become a partner, you're gonna fill out the form quick, and then you're gonna get an email to get logged in. Now, this is the last thing I wanna touch on because I think this is very important. This is part of the control piece. So we give every single one of our partners their own personalized portal where they enter in all of their clients. Think of it like a CRM. You enter in all your clients. Every time you put a client in there, we get the notification and someone from our team will reach out to your client within 30 minutes max of you putting them in. And uh, when you want to in the future, say, you know, you see 20, 30, 50 people enrolled or even one or two, and it's been two or three months and you want to check on their progress, 
you can hit the My Referrals tab, see the list of everybody that you've ever sent us, see what part of the process they're in, and you can even view what their progress is, when their scores went up, what the new scores are, things have been deleted, what's been repaired. You can see everything. So then that way on your side, if you start seeing an increase and you're looking at scores that qualify based on what your company you know, approves, then you can say uh, with an intentional follow-up call, Hey, Bob, I know you've been in that credit repair program with our partner company for two or three months. And, uh, you know, I, I see some pretty significant progress. If you like, I think we could get you to move forward. You guys have complete view, 24-7 access of everybody you put in, their progress, their results, everything. That's, so spurred, that a, that's spurred kind of another thought I had on mm -hmm. uh, the application process. So with the proper disclosures... Okay, mm -hmm. key point with the proper disclosures yep. at the time of screening an application, if they get a denial for credit, we could automatically turn them over to you. We could upload them into your system under our name and you yep. guys can reach out to them within, again, that time frame of one business right. day, 30 minutes, and then say, hey, you know, we understand you were turned down. We want to help you on behalf of RentWorks, for example. Right. Exactly. That's pretty, that's neat. Yes. And um, ju just as one on top of that, just so you know the communication aspect of it, um, you automatically get an email update every single month when a client has a pro uh, progress with us. So whether it didn't change, whether it went up, whether it went down, whatever's happening, you get the alert. So that's why we want it registered under you um, or your business or your company because then you have full access to see everything. Plus on the organization side for us, it is letting us know how many people your company has sent. And then when our customer care team is engaging with your client throughout their journey with us, we're always putting you at the forefront. We're always mentioning you, right? So we're always saying, you know, hey, Brad with so-and-so company, right? Um, whatever or whoever it is that is signing up with us, we're always reminding the client of who you are and what the next process is and what the next step is and how much closer they are. And then we also get to alert you and let you know, hey, this is what's going on. It keeps us organized. You get full access to everything and you're going to know for sure because this is a thing in the credit repair industry that a lot of people get discouraged if they don't have a way to track their clients because they don't want to send them off and then they go somewhere else. So this is also that accountability tool for you when you work with us because not, uh, not every company does this. You have full-blown access to everything and will know, man, this client's ready to go. They saw significant progress. Let's go ahead and get a hold of Brad and let them know they're ready to go. Yeah, that leads up to the magic of business development in any facet, sales, management, whatever, is follow-up. And mm -hmm. if you know that your, your person uh, raised 10 points or 50 points and they're only a few points short, that's a great time to have a phone call or send a text message. And say, hey, we see you're doing really good. You know, you're pre getting pretty close. I think within another 30 days, 30 years, you know, we're going to get you lined up and we're going to go out and help you buy a home or we're going to help you get into a new rental property uh, or whatever. And that's, that's what causes good sales is having that information that you can just follow up with people. So exactly. fantastic. So Dylan, man, hey, I am blown away with this conversation. I think anybody who listens to this will understand that this is sort of new in our industry, but gosh darn it, it is needed and it fits right in. So I'm looking to do good things with you and your company here in the future with RentWorks. And I appreciate your time here, man. So the follow-up is there and I, I can see this being a real good business relationship going forward. So, hey, Dylan, appreciate you coming on, man. I look forward to working with you in the future and we'll talk to you soon. All right, man, take care. Thank you so much again for having me. Everybody have a good one. 
everybody want to make sure you know about the property management mastermind conference here in 2022 going on at the red rock resort in las vegas may 16th through 18th go to pmmcon.com to learn more and sign up pest share a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program starting at just five dollars per door you can give your residents the pest control coverage they need PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations, like bedbugs and cockroaches. End the debate over who pays for pest control, while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at pestshare.com forward slash property managers. This has been a podcast episode by propertymanagementproductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us feedback, and come back for our next episode.